you have a new Sunday school teacher. And it is me. John Wall, would you open up open us up in prayer? Amen. If I'm teaching Sunday school, these ladies got to stay in control and be ready to start the class when it starts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what he's doing to me? He didn't realize I was walking back into my office. He's talking to his wife, and he says, I've got to hurry up and get out there so I can heckle the new teacher. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Open your Bibles to Genesis 14. Genesis 14, and in verse 1, And it came to pass in the days of Aramphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of, Eli of Eleazar, Chedalomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shenember, or Shemember, king of Zeboim, and Bela, which is king of Bela, which is Zoar. And these joined together in the vale of Sidom, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Chedalomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year came Chedalomer and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephims and Ashtaroth Carnium, and the Zuzims and Ham, and the Enims in Sheva Kirathiam, and the Horites in, the, in their Mount Seir unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they returned and came to En Misfat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites that dwelt in Hazian Tamar. And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Admah, and the king of Zeboim, and king of Bela, the same as Zoar. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Sidom, with Chedalomer, the king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, and Aramphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elasser, four kings with five. And the vale of Sidom was full of slime pits, and the king of Sodom and of Gomorrah fled, and fell there. And there that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals, and went their way. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, and who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, the brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedalomer and the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the father, blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave them tithes of all. 
And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons, take the goods to thyself. And Abram said unto the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from, will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, in that which I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eschol, and Mamre. Let, their, let them take their portion. And we see in this lesson, you know, Abram goes out to battle, or you have this battle between these kings. You know, you know that, that's the first time there's a war in the Bible. It's the very first war that takes place in the scripture. And it, in the year of, and what I like with this, when you look at this, Chedalomer, and you have the kings that were with, one of the kings that were with him. It's interesting because how many of you have heard of the Code of Hammurabi? Or Hammurabi? It's supposed to be this famous way to follow in life. And it was a code of conduct. Well, he's one of these kings. Okay, that's a Ramphel. So we're not talking about this just being this small little battle in an area as tiny as what you think of Israel being today. These were major kings on the face of the earth at that time, and they were fighting. And you have different things that take place here, and I find it interesting that with it, you have the Gentile kings, and they're fighting against each other, and you have Abram. And Abram's living in a tent, and he's in the country. He's avoided Sodom because he wanted God's blessing in his life. So you see, Abram separated, and the battle's taking place. You know what happens so many times, Christians? You get pulled into the battles of this world, don't you? You're supposed to be like Abram. Separate from that. I don't care how famous the people who are fighting the battle. The battle is such that the one we're supposed to be fighting is the Lord's battle. And we lose sight of that so much. We lose sight of that. We, we, we don't understand. We don't realize what's taking place. We take sides in something that maybe we should not be taking sides. How many of you have had your thoughts, your life, your stomach turned upside down by American politics in the last 10 years? How much did that help you serve the Most High God? How much anger did it cause you? How much did it take you away from that which God would have you to do? You're sitting here this morning. How many of you, if you were push comes to shove, could show someone from the Word of God and answer questions for someone who doesn't know if heaven's their home? You know what we do? We forget to put first things first. You know the story of of Abram and of Lot. One, Abram, who is Abraham, the next chapter, that's when he becomes Abraham, he turns around with this, and he's, he's called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and he partially obeys God. Isn't that the way it is when you first get saved? 
God calls in your life, and next thing you know, you're going in a direction, but you haven't cut loose from all the stuff that's in the world. And he brought Lot with him. Now, was that good for Lot? Did that help Lot? Did it help Abraham? See, we lose so many times what it means to be separated from the world. Because you're in the world. You can't get away from that, can you? You're in the world, but you are not of the world. Don't get caught acting like you're of the world. You have this battle that's taking place, you know. Lot thought Sodom was a place of safety. Do you ever realize with that? When, when they came apart, Lot saw the, the plains and they were well watered. They both had herds and flocks and all these goods. Instead of fighting with him over it, Abram tells Lot, if you take this, then I'm going here. And he separated from it. And so we find Lot starting in the plains because it's well watered. It was good for the flocks. The food was good. So the circumstances in the world looked what? Very good. And so then Abraham's separated from that. He, his family, his flocks, his servants, and all those that were with him. And Lot starts in the well-watered plain, in the valley where it looks good. And the next thing you find Lot in Sodom. And after that, you find Lot being considered a man of authority in Sodom. He's on the city council. He had a seat at the gate of the city. That all looks good, doesn't it? You know the story of Lot. What did it cost him? What did it cost him? We need to stop thinking about that. Whatsoever written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have what? Hope. We lose hope when we look to the wrong things. We look to the wrong person. If your hope is in me or in Pastor Kinney, you're going to be failed at some time. Amen? And that's plain and simple with this. All right? And you see this, you know? And so, Lot thinks he's in a place of safety, but he was really in a place of danger. Certain kings made war with Sodom and Gomorrah. The battle took place near the Dead Sea. They fled. The king, kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. They were captured in an area that's called near the slime pits. When you read the story, isn't that interesting? Slime pits. You know, I looked up the background, you know, and it turns around. I find it interesting in the text. As you look at things in the scripture, the very first time you find any form of the word rebel is in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 4. Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer, and in the fifth or the thirteenth year they rebelled. What's thirteen the number of? Rebellion. 
when do young people start thinking they're adults? Okay. The testosterone kicks in. The estrogen kicks in. They stop becoming less a child and start becoming an adult. And then they think they're smarter than the adult. Always loved it, you know. It's like that idea of how smart my parents got from when I was 13 and when I, until I turned 25. See, because 21-year-olds have the same attitude. If you don't believe me, look at the way things go. So you find that 13's number of rebellion. And that comes through the scriptures. Isn't it interesting? We had how many colonies? What was the first flag of the colonies? A serpent on a pole, and it says, don't tread on me. There's nothing new under the sun. The only reason they say this, I want you to understand, when you read your Bible, don't read it, la, 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 and la, 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 you know, that, you know it's kind of like, wah, 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 you know, I'm Charlie Brown or, or Lucy, and wah, 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 we come through this thing, all right? 13 years they rebelled. You know what the problem is with many people? They don't learn to stop doing that. Amen? You know, the Bible tells you to be in subjection to those who have authority over you. Yeah, but I want you to understand, you look at this. And if you can't get certain things together, you won't see what's taking place around you. The battle takes place. Sodom and Gomorrah, those five, five kings. Five is the number of death in your Bible. Okay, you study it out. First death took place in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 5. When you see the, the, the lineage, you say Adam dies. Okay, so what am I trying to get you to understand? When you read this, are you willing to apply it? Because if you read your Bible, to read it like you're reading a novel or even a history book where you're trying to get a little bit of knowledge, but you don't read it as something that's supposed to be a manual for your actions, you're going to miss the point that God has for you in the scriptures. How many of you have ever read that and go, well, yeah, that sounds just like those, that person. Boy, if they would just get that then they would have their act together. Periodically, we do the Lord's table. Right? What is it for? So let a man examine his wife. So let a man examine his children. So let a man examine his boss or his neighbor or whatever it might be. No, so let a man examine himself. I say this because knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. That's the first mention of rebellion. And it's in the world. Your salvation was free to you. 
It wasn't free to God. His expectation you after salvation is obedience. Amen? <laughs> Look at this, you know, and they go through here. We come down through and we find them fighting and they join battle in the valley of Sidon. Chedalomer, okay, and you have five king, four kings with five. And in verse 10 it says, And the vale of Sidon was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. You know the slime pits are still there? Do you know what a slime pit is? It's an asphalt well. Natural. It's there in Bible times. It's there today. Why do I make that point? The Bible is true. And we want people to believe it's true, but we don't even think about what it's saying to you. One of the most fun things I've ever watched is watching is Pastor Kinney was discipling the Matowskis. John Matowski was a Navy pilot. He flew all over that area. And after he got saved, he started reading the Bible. He's going through discipleship. And he starts looking at what he saw in the world there and the geopolitical situation. And he's going, it hasn't changed. They're fighting with each other. And I was at this place and I was at that place and I was at this place. That's real. Everything that takes place geopolitically in this world revolves around a little 120-mile-long, 60-mile-wide strip of land because God chose it. I've read on this, you know, and it's, it's there in Palestine. It's there. It's near Syria, Okay. It's asphalt wells. It's in southern Lebanon. That is, if you want to know, Hasbaya in Lebanon. Isn't that fancy? So I made you smarter this morning. I didn't tell you to go ask Pastor Kenny because he's going to start doing that to me. You notice the king of Sodom fell there. But he didn't die there. Because I don't know if he was the one, one of the ones freed as you had a running battle as Abraham was attacking at the heels of the retreating armies. Because that's what he was doing. It was an ongoing battle. They kept trying to take back more and more, and he kept fighting until he got back all that was his. And you find Sodom, the king of Sodom coming out and trying to reward him. Because he was there to greet Abram when he came back with all the spoils. But I'm going to say this, you know, he fell in the slime pits. In the notes that they give us with this, it says, um, slimy people find themselves in slimy places. You are who you associate with. Amen? Be ye in the world, not of the world. See, they accuse Jesus of being the what? Friend of sinners. You know, he was like them. But he wasn't. 
He was there in the world, but not of the world. Be careful. As you watch this, if you want what Abram had, or what Abraham ended up having, you've got to do it a certain way. How many of you keep fruit over the winter? I can remember a long time ago, Russ would bring us a bushel of apples and he'd say, Brian, get it. make sure to go through it though. You may want to set it up, but go through it periodically because some of the apples could start doing what? Going bad. And when they do, what happens? It's driven home to me all the time. Because of my liver condition, I have to drink lemon water. So I buy 10 pounds of lemons a week. And they all look good, and I check on them, trying to find out because they're nice and hard and this and that. But if I don't take care of them and make sure that I get those that are starting to go bad away from those that are still good, that the next thing you know, I've lost half of what I paid for. Can you apply that to your life? Sometimes you have to separate. Sometimes you've got to come apart. In the text, there's some neat things there, and I don't have time. Pastor Kenny's made sure I realize that. I don't have time to go through it. But you see Rephiams and Zuzims and Enims and Horites. Those are giants. I'll give you a reference or a chapter to look at and you see why they're there. Because they were before the flood in Genesis chapter 6. Mighty men. Giants. And it says before and after. What are they? They are the product of angels who've left their first estate. That's how you answer that. What do you mean there's giants? Yeah. Angels who left their first estate cohabitated with women, and giants were the product. Can you imagine fighting a battle Moses and the children of Israel, when they went in, they said, we are like grasshoppers. I have to laugh. People's reaction to me in India. Giants. And then I stood next to a seven-foot-tall man, and I went, giant. Which, you know, I don't care who the giant is or how big the giant seems to be. When Abram was doing what God would have him to do, when he was separated, God blessed him in the battle. When Israel was doing what God would have them to do, God blessed them in the battle. Do you get the picture of what's going on there? So you have the battle, it takes place. You can't get around it. You know what you're going to have in your life? Battles. Battles. 
put on the whole armor of God, you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, having done all, stand, stand having your loins. I just went through this with a young Christian who's struggling. And I said, you're getting attacked and you don't understand because you haven't put your armor on. Well, preacher, what does that mean? Abram was separated. It allowed him to continue to worship the God of his fathers, the most high God of heaven and earth. Lot ended up in Sodom. Lot was taken prisoner. You know, sometimes God allows something that seems to be bad to happen to you because he's trying to get your attention and show you you're not where I want you. And you make choices. You start grasping, making choices. And you haven't taken the time, because Lot didn't take the time, to be still and know that I am God. Did you see that in the text? Hmm? Go to Second Peter chapter 2. I've had people at times turn around and they watch. A Christian falls into some type of sin. They don't fall. They choose to sin. Okay? They go into some sin. It makes a mess in their life. They struggle with it. And the other Christians look at what, where, how far they've gone away from the Lord and they go, I don't believe that person could truly be saved. Until something happens to them. Right? Let a man examine... Himself. All right? Second Peter. Let's see. Verse 4. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them to the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, verse 5 and verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an, a what? Example unto those that after should live how? And delivered who? Isn't that a mouthful? Just Lot. How did God see him? Just Lot. He saw him as a just man. But he vexed with the filthy conversation, the manner of life of the wicked. For that what? See how God sees him? That righteous man dwelling where? In seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Sometimes... When it seems like stuff is happening to you, God's trying to get your attention to remove you from a greater danger. Now, look at, think about that. He was taken a prisoner of war along with those, those of Sodom. And who did God use to free him? 
If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are, if you think you're spiritual, you're not spiritual. But ye which are spiritual, what? Restore him. Bring him back. But you've got to remember, knowing yourself also likewise can be tempted. God saw him as just. He said he was righteous. He forgot who he served. And he went from serving God to serving man. You say, but how do you be in the world? You have to be. You don't have to be of the world. You don't fight the way the world fights. Sometimes, you don't know, you might be fighting angels. That says, and some have entertained angels unawares. See, but just lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day. It's a spiritual battle. Right? Well, I don't want to fight. I just, <laughs> I don't want to fight. I've quoted probably to about other, uh, maybe five other people in the ministry. Some churches are under attack around here, and I don't want to fight. They got things going on. I, that's not my battle. I need to fight to protect the sheep of this flock. And I kid with them and I say, honestly, all I want to do is, just like Ray Stevens, is strum my little guitar and sing my little song. I don't want to get involved in that. But you know what? Abram was separated. But you know what God had him do? Put himself in some peril and go and rescue one of his. That's what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. He vexed his righteous soul. It's a spiritual battle. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Can you find that book? Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. To everything there is a season and a time to, to every purpose under heaven. Verse 1. It tells you a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence. Sometimes you find verses you don't like. Time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of what? And a time of peace. You want peace in this life? 
You won't find it until the king of peace reigns in your heart and life. Right now, it's a battle for us. Ecclesiastes, or Exodus 15 and verse 3 tells us that the Lord is a man of war. Oh, I don't think God would ever allow people to fight against one. In the history of man, they don't count the weeks that there's never been a battle being fought on the face of this earth, do they? Ready to fight. Okay, you can see it's a time of war. You have to prepare for battle. You know what you're here for? In Sunday school? To prepare for the battle of life. Amen. You still with me? Okay, you know, what are the battles we fight so many times? You know what takes people out? Pride. Lust and greed. The want of things. That's what causes war. Look at James chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your what? That war in your, ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye went to the wrong place for your, your needs. Ye ask and ye receive not because ye ask the mission may consume it upon your own lust. That's what causes the battles in the Christian life. Most battles in a home eventually are caused by finances. You say, I don't believe that. Well, believe what you want. I don't care. That's what you put your emphasis on. 1 Timothy 6.10. Is it 6.10? 6.7. I think it's 610. For the love of money is the root of all evil. People are always trying to find, you know, if I could just hit the jackpot, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, if I could just do this. Yeah. And it's not there. It's not there. Okay, so you got a battle. Why don't you think about it? Sometimes you're going to have to go to war to liberate family and those who are oppressed. And you know what? That's a good thing. It's justifiable. Abram could have said, well, that lot made his bed. Let him lay in it. It's not my business. If someone's eternal soul is in the balance, believer... It's always your business. It's always your business. He could have been bitter. So serves him right. But if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, 
Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, knowing ye yourselves likewise also could be tempted. Sometimes we get frustrated and we get angry and we think we need to take care of it. We need to deal with this because this is not right. This is going against the righteousness of God. Yep. Make sure it's the battle God called you to do. And it's always good to offer grace and mercy to others. Because what was offered to you? You still with me? There's always someone who needs to be rescued. How many know the story of the Good Samaritan? Right. I'll give you the text. That is Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35. The religious leaders, the priest, went on the other side of the road to avoid dealing with it. The Levite, the helper of the priest, he walked over, looked down at the guy, wounded, bleeding, dying on the shoulder of the road, and then went back to the other side of the road and went on. The Samaritan went, saw the need, treated the wounds, and then helped the person when he couldn't help himself. He paid the innkeeper to take care of him, not just for him to stay inside, but to be able to be taken care of. And said, when I come back through, if there's more need here, I'm responsible for it because I've asked you to do something. Okay, so you need to do that. The Christian life is a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Sometimes you've got to rescue the brethren. That's what Abram did here. To do so, as I said earlier, you've got to make sure you put your armor on. So I would, it would do good for all of us to spend time sometimes going back and reviewing just what does that mean. Your loins girt about with truth is not relative. Your truth is not different than my truth. There's God's truth and then there's a lie. All right? Your loins girt about with truth. You're protecting your core, your strength area, right? Taking the breastplate, so now you've got the truth. What you believe. The breastplate of what you do. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Where you go. Right? The shield of faith. Sometimes you're under attack. You just got to get down and get it out of the way. The helmet of salvation. Knowing this, what is your base? I know Christians who spend time thinking they've lost their salvation. That's because someone else who believes you can't lose your salvation said, well, they were probably never saved in the first place. So let a man examine him. Gee, why I keep saying that? Say, why is that important? Because in the battle, you may know someone who needs help. And some have compassion making the difference. You may know some that need to be saved and you want to lead them to Christ, right? 
How's that apply? So then what are you going to do? If you're going to take part in that battle, and God commands every one of us to take part in that battle, it says endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Even when you're separated, sometimes God's going to put you in the battle. And that's what we learned from Abram here. So that's the battle. Now I've got eight minutes to do the blessing. Caleb, you told me this was going to happen. Okay. He was approached by a man named Melchizedek. If you want to know who Melchizedek is, ask pastor. He was the king of Salem. His name means, Melchizedek means, king of righteousness. And he was the king of Salem. Salem. Shalom. Jerusalem. He was the king of Bob, Jerusalem, Salem. He was a king. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter 7, if you turn there quick, some things about him. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, because that's who he was, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually." Now consider how great this man was that unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Abram went after, Abraham went after Lot, freed up more than Lot, freed up all the prisoners. They're always at the back of the battle as a, as a retreating army, as army's leaving. Because the army's going forward, they keep them in the back. The wounded, the weary, and those who were won over. They're in the back. They're not up front. That's where Abraham came after them, got them, brought them loose. He's coming back. He's met by Melchizedek. It says he has no record of a father or mother. He brought forth bread and wine. Makes me think of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 31. The body and blood of Christ. See the picture of it? It's a type. He was the priest of the Most High God. Who's our high priest? He's different than Abram. Abraham was a prophet. Abraham, in a sense, was a priest. But Abraham wasn't a king. This man was prophet, priest, and king. But I can't tell you from the scriptures completely who he is. Says without descent, but he says he was like Jesus Christ. So that means he's not pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He met, fed, and blessed. That's what Jesus does with us. You want the blessing? Are you in the battle? 
You want to meet Jesus Christ in your life, you have to be in a place that he can do so. Do you notice that he's a king of righteousness and the king of peace? And what you'll find in the scriptures is if you want peace in your Christian battle, righteousness has to precede it. You know who are the most unhappy people you'll ever meet? It's not lost people in their sin. It's saved people in their sin. And they become much more aggressive towards you than a lost person. I want you to think about it. Is Jesus your great high priest? Is he coming to you as you've obeyed him in the battle? You're called a Christian. What is that? A follower of Jesus Christ. Is that your conduct? We're told that we are, going, we are priests, aren't we? But we will rule as kings. We're kings and priests. Melchizedek makes us, if you study him out, he makes you think of Jesus. He reminds you of Jesus. Got a question. Do I and do you make others think of Jesus Christ? In our text we read, King of Sodom offered Abraham riches when he came back from what he had done. And what did Abraham do? He refused the riches of the world. When you study faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, you know what? They, they refuse to be counted as of the world. Abraham refused. Abraham knew that the wealth of Egypt was a snare, and so wouldn't be the wealth of Sodom. Lot didn't learn that. We read the text. Who did Abraham give glory to? Not to himself. Look what I did. Look at how I won this battle. Look at how we can do this. He wasn't boasting of himself. He was giving God all the credit. You know why David could take on Goliath? Because Goliath was fighting against the most high God of heaven and earth. That's who fights for you. That's who fights with you. Do we give credit to God? And you notice here that Abram chose not the things of the world, not the glory that would have come from the king of Sodom. He chose the king of Salem, king of priests. Or of peace. And then he gave of his wealth. He gave his wealth to the Lord. It says here, rather than taking anything, Abram gave tithes of all. That's the first mention of tithing. People say, well, tithing is just in the Old Testament law. No, it was before the law. It was during the law. And it's recognized after the law. When it talks about you giving offerings... If you study Old Testament, the offering came after the tithe. 
And the last book of the Old Testament ends, we'll say, will a man rob God? I'm not here to teach on tithing this morning, but I want you to stand. And they say, how will we rob God? And he says, through tithes and offerings. So it still belongs to God. And a tithe is 10% of something. Abram did it in thankfulness because he knew that God had protected him through the battle. As pastors of this church, we do not know what people give. We know what we give. That gives us free freedom to preach the truth to you. Points to the lesson. If you're in the wrong place, it's going to take you to the wrong place. It's going to cost you. But God will still reach to you. I always tell people, while there's life, there's breath, there's hope. You may get taken to the slime pits, but there's a way back. Are you separated from the things of the world? If you are, you're in a place where God can bless you. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You have to have your thinking aligned so that you can hear the voice of God when he commands you to go for him. Abram had to hear. And when he came back, he was met by Melchizedek, one of the greatest Old Testament types of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some people say, I, I just don't know. I don't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Maybe you've been fighting the wrong battle, emphasizing the wrong things, because your king is waiting there for you. And all God's people said, amen. amen.